I don't, I don't have one word to describe it other than absolutely crazy. Uh, I mean, what I did back then, uh, for sure, for sure, like 100% sure, I would never, ever be able to do it again. It was an energy that was uh -huh. at that time. Uh, and I just wanted this so badly. And I know, I know something about myself that when I want something, I would do anything to get it, like anything. So I literally did anything. That was the voice of Iman Hailouz. Iman is the CEO and founder of Abjad, the region's leading platform for book lovers. I am your host, Ali Zweil, and this is the Startups Arabia podcast, where you learn about the Arab startups ecosystem from the best founders, investors, and operators in the region. Welcome to the Startups Arabia podcast. My guest today is Iman Hailouz. Iman is the founder and CEO of Abjad, the first and biggest Arabic digital reading platform. Her passion for reading inspired her to create Abjad and embark on the journey of promoting digital reading in the Middle East. Prior to establishing Abjad, she had worked in the IT field where she gained valuable experience in digital marketing and she previously worked closely with entrepreneurs in three local startups and then at KPMG for a very brief stint and we'll talk about that more in the interview. Iman is an accomplished businesswoman with a proven track record of success and has been recognized as one of the top female entrepreneurs in the Middle East. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Startups Arabia podcast, everyone. My guest today is Iman Hailouz, and it's a pleasure to host her today because I am a lover of the industry she's, she works in, which is the book industry. Uh, Iman is the founder of uh, uh, Abjad, which uh, is, well, she's going to talk about it, so I'm not going to talk too much about it, but it's supporting and, and giving joy to over one and a half million uh, Arab readers across uh, the region and uh, helping them as they enjoy books together and uh, and consume books together and helping the publishers in the process. I'm not going to go into her, uh, you know, uh, her story. She's going to tell us more about it, but it's a pleasure to host you today, Iman. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Ali. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, looking forward for the conversation. Wonderful. So uh, maybe we can start by, in, you know, in a few minutes, if you can tell me your, the story of how you came into this world of startup. Oh, well, it's, it's, it's a long, long story, but to cut it short, uh, I would say that uh, like almost 10 years ago or more, like 11 years ago now, um, I heard about um, a, an accelerator, a backslash incubator called Oasis 500. They started in Jordan and they were giving like seed investments for people that has ideas. But what's better than the seed investment that they, they used to do like uh, something called um, the bootcamp, which yeah. is like seven days of uh, being there from 8 a.m. till almost 8 p.m. Uh, listening to uh, other people, other entrepreneurs, learning how to do a financial model, how uh, learning what is a business model, learning everything about uh, how to turn your idea into an actual business. 
So after those uh, seven days, I was like really amazed by everything that happened there. And uh, it was like a completely different uh, thing. I, I didn't know the word entrepreneur back then. So it was all so, so new to me. And um, they told us that if anyone is ready to pitch, we're open for pitching like after a week after the bootcamp where you can prepare your pitch deck, you can prepare your financial model. And you can do all the market research that we taught you how to do. Of course, in the middle of those seven days, there, there was a lot of homework to do. So I was talking to publishers and talking to bookstores and trying to get the, some market research about my idea. And I decided to, to just jump in and to do the pitch uh, right after this boot camp. And uh, I did, uh, the pitches were like uh, three stages. If you pass the one, you go to the next one. The, the first one was with the team of Oasis 500 at first, then CEOs of some companies in Jordan, and then the final would be with the CEO of Oasis 500. Uh, I passed the three stages, and exactly in May uh, 2012, uh, they sent me an email telling me that you, you were accepted and you're going to get the seed investment, and let's start. So I had a full-time job back then. I quit and I jumped in the whole thing. So this was the absolute start of uh, how this, the journey started. And from there, all the regular stuff of uh, the MVP and testing with the users, uh, fundraising, talking to investors, till the stage that we reached right now, which is in December 2020 we uh, were able to secure our Series A of $1 million. Great. So can you tell the listeners in, uh, more about what Abjad does? So Abjad right now is not Abjad 10 years ago. Uh, Abjad right now has became, uh, if, if we want to also uh, cut it short for everyone to understand the business model and, and what we do, I'd like I like the the description of uh, the Netflix for the Arabic books. So it's a subscription-based uh, platform that provides unlimited access to Arabic eBooks uh, for a monthly or an annual subscription. So any user can download the application. They start their monthly subscription and they have access to a, a growing library of Arabic eBooks. Okay, and. I mean, you were emphasizing the Netflix aspect of it. But, yeah. Uh, when you, what about the reviews and the social aspect? Is that still there or is that not so uh, dominant? It is there, but, but the, the difference is that when we started, the core business was about the reviews and ratings and quotes and sharing and the social aspect. We were like the good reads of the Arabic books. And then when we, when we grew and started to understand the market needs more, we understood that there's a bigger gap in the market than the reviews and the ratings and all this stuff. The bigger gap was that people don't have legal access to Arabic ebooks. And uh, the publishing scene was totally pirated. Uh, you can find like millions of PDFs that you can download online and everyone is sort of consuming this in a crazy way that, le that led for uh, the, the whole publishing industry to, to, to be at risk. So uh, a legal alternative had to be there uh, where people would pay for this digital content and to kind of educate the Arabic user that there's a big, big difference between a PDF and an ebook. Uh, 
and you know in the west they were like 20 years uh, above of uh, ahead of us when it comes to digital content and audio content and all that so it started as a community of people to review and rate but it grew to become uh, more focused to provide the ebook and at the same time on the side you can also review and rate and follow other users and stuff like that so it's still there and people still write reviews and rate books and they use Abjad to understand the buzz around the book before reading the book but the core business has became providing the ebook interesting so when you say the core business do you mean in terms of uh, obviously this is where the revenue comes from but yeah, you mean the core business in terms of the the value because I mean, if you were let's hypothetical thought experiments here. So if you were to set to take out the review aspect and and create and the buzz and and all that stuff about the yeah. books and discussions, yeah. would the other part be as strong or would it be weaker in your opinion? It would be weaker, of course. Now building the community first as tough as it was when it comes to generating revenue because that business model we could not generate any kind of revenue from. So, yep. and we can't run a, a run a company without revenues and uh, depending on just having traffic and users and uh, fundraising. So it, it has been, uh, I, I, I don't think Abjad would have had a better journey than it was although although it was tough that we started with the community with all the tough part of not generating revenue and depending on funds and all that but because Abjad was like really focused on the community of readers when we kind of pivoted uh, or I would like to say added the the ebook aspect uh, it kind of was a, a competitive edge that we never thought uh, uh, of, like precisely. Like we did not think about building a community and then building the ebook. It just happened uh, with, within the journey and the understanding of the market and the limitation of all the resources that we had. But now that we have it that way, now we can see the value and it is paying back. Uh, for for all the the tough part that we w- we were handling at first with the community, yeah, um, it's weird how life works. And uh, yeah, I mean, l- let me ask you. I mean, the community aspect you started with the first, yeah, um, and uh, it was going well in terms of that the community was growing, there was engagement, there was all that yeah. stuff. But I have a feeling, I mean, that you as a founder you were suffering because there was no revenue. And Absolutely. Uh, you were kind of, uh, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it seemed to be going well and, and you have all this uh, maybe press and uh, wars and things like that. But but you know that, that at the end of the day, as a startup, you need you need the money. It's not working. So, so how did you come to this conclusion that you need to add this feature? I mean, how did that happen? How did that? Um, no, you know, when we, also when we had the community at first, we knew that the community alone wouldn't generate and we had a business model in mind. But the business model that we had in mind after testing it with the, uh, with, with, with the, with the clients, the clients were the publishers actually, uh, we mm-hmm. had in mind to create a marketplace where every publisher would have their own uh, shop inside this community and they would handle the whole uh, print book uh, orders that they get. 
So it's an e-commerce for print books uh, within the community. So it becomes a marketplace. And to solve all the dilemma of the uh, having the book or is it available? Is it in stock? Is it out of stock? And all this stuff. We would have the publisher to be the owner of this, and he would deliver the book to the user. And of course, we would empower them by doing integration with the shipping companies, the payment companies, all these kind of stuff. But they have to be the owners and the ones who would uh, manage this shop. Uh, after It didn't take me much to, to understand how much the publishers aren't willing to do that. Simply, I went to Beirut, I talked to the top 10 publishers, uh, I, I, I told them about this idea and no one really wanted to or even had the capacity to manage a shop and uh, do all the order things and stuff like that. And uh, the community, actually, they brought our attention to the need of ebooks. So the community started to ask about how can we read this book online? They thought we are yet another PDF website. So uh, so when we tried to explain to them we're not a PDF website and it's a community, that the user themselves brought us brought our attention into the need of having ebooks. But of course, the challenge would be, would they pay for that? So uh, we shifted the, the pitch for the publishers and I started to talk to publishers about ebooks. I found a lot of resistance at first, but a couple of them were so ready for that step and they were looking forward for that. So I signed with the low-hanging fruits, which were ready now. Uh, and also, I didn't want to focus on the small publishers. I wanted to get someone big who's ready. And this is what 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 I did, that I got the, uh, a big publisher who was ready at the moment and we, we kicked off with uh, with them. And then it's, it's a snowball, you know, one publisher after the other, they start the resistance became like uh, a bit easier, but it took years for that to happen. And uh, we started with a business model that also didn't work. Um, which was uh, because the PDF was for free and we were too afraid to, to, to introduce payment into the thing. Uh, so we decided to do an ebook with ads where the ads would pay for us and the publisher. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, it didn't work. It got a lot of traffic, but yeah, any, nothing, any, almost nothing in revenue. Like uh, uh, yep. the ad-based the ad model... Uh, it's so tough to get it right. And those who did are really huge, like Facebook and Google. And it's like big companies. Yeah. So, so, so this is where we started talking to a lot of people, uh, mentors, uh, uh, people who worked in this scene, who, people who understand all this. And from all collection of information and from our research, like Spotify and Netflix and all these kind of apps, they also have all the stuff pirated. I mean, music is for free everywhere, but yet they made people pay. Uh, it's because of multiple things, the user experience, the convenience uh, being affordable, but a subscription was like something like really uh, psychologically easier for a user. So we shifted into the subscription model and uh, it worked. Uh, it worked in 2017. So 2012 till, till 2017, you're talking about five years of suffering and failing and trying and failing and uh, 
everyone would think that things are going well because we're, we were taking awards and there's a lot of word of mouth and people would think that this is a very successful company. It was a failing company. So uh, in 2017, we started to see the first subscription uh, revenue and it was growing. Uh, so this is when it worked and uh, till now the model is exactly the same, but we're, we're, we're just optimizing and enhancing and growing more. And uh, the beauty of this story, I mean, it, it has several aspects to me. I mean, one of it is the internal kind of behind the scenes suffering that, 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 uh, you know, that's there. Yeah. Uh, while well, you know on the stage everything looks uh, wonderful to everyone and maybe some people are envying you yeah uh, the other is uh, you know communication and the importance of really listening to your customers so both negatively and positively so you go into the publishers and listening to the fact that they are just not accepting you know the way you want to do things and you know doing that so that's the negative listening so to speak or listening to the negative feedback and the and then there's the on the other side the people who wanted the books and were telling you hey you know why why don't you give me the pdf just give me the pdf here uh, i'm you know i'm interested so that's kind of the positive listening okay what what does the sure. the, the market do they want? Really want how can yeah. we how, how can we make them pay for that yeah 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 and, and and lastly there was the what i really the thread that's like there is always you're always like as a startup we're always we want the easy solution so to speak so we're okay we're we're just going to let the marketplace with the publishers they're going to do everything basically and you know we're yeah, we're just yeah, going to yeah, count yeah. the money and and do that okay that's not going to work okay let's try something else but uh, also you know uh, we'll we'll put the ebooks but then we'll have ads and you know that's just going to do and we won't have to manage subscriptions and do all that yeah, uh, and yeah. multiple pub you know that's not going to work so Really, the 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 hard path is usually the path, the way, the, the way, yeah, the way to go. And we just waste so much time, you know, knocking on other. Okay, let's take that easy door. Oh God, it's closed. Oh, let's go to that that end, etc. And uh, it's just a a real cool story for me of perseverance and persistence and just seeing it through to the end. And uh, yeah. I'm sure that first few dollars that came in 2017 were really beautiful yeah, they were TV. like oh yeah <laughs> they were like seeing the impossible happening yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so uh that's sorry a bit of a long commentary on that story of yours um so you you maybe going back to your to the first thing you told me about how you came into this world i mean you were like you graduated computer science, you were a quality control, then a business process kind of a pr uh, person, you know, uh, very structured stuff. And then you went into digital marketing and you're a management consultant and uh, KPMG, you know, a global company. You've only been there yeah. for three months and you go to this boot camp and then <laughs> you decide to resign and start Abjet. Yeah. So yeah. what was your thinking at that time? And what were you, what was your... Uh, what were you feeling at the time? How did you convince actually, yourself? Actually, uh, also, yani, life brought me, but though I didn't think about it and I didn't like really look for it. But when I when I when I graduated from uh, from, uh, from my computer science, that was almost two thousand five, I think. Uh, it was like the golden age in Jordan for 
the IT companies or the software houses يعني. and uh, I worked with people where the, the, the CEO back then when I joined he was 28 years old so I, I was kind of exposed to entrepreneurship and startups without knowing the words and, and without knowing that I'm actually doing that So I was exposed to this and uh, I worked with multiple uh, uh, local companies where also the founders were young and they were uh, like doing something out of nothing from scratch. So I kind of get used to and loved the culture of young people doing stuff from scratch. And I, I was never ex- really exposed to the corporate world because خلص, life brought me there. That was by pure luck. I applied to multiple companies when I graduated like any any fresh grad. And this is where life took me. Uh, and then uh, I got this offer from KPMG. It was for the first time to get an offer uh, from a, a, a corporate, uh, a big company. I didn't know what what do I feel about it like the whole interviewing process was like i suffered from only the interviewing process can interviewing took like three months or something while in in, in my first and uh, my first job like the ceo who was 28 years old he sat with me for like a couple of hours uh, and he was like we're ready to give you the you know how entrepreneurs are خلص, yep, uh, yep. Uh, there was a click And, and he knows that I'm the right person and yalla, th- this is the offer, yalla sign and uh, ta'ali bukra, uh, come, come tomorrow yep. to, 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 to work. Yep. So, versa, and then I, I worked with multiple other startups and it was exactly the same. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a culture where things are open, they can listen to me, I can wear multiple hats, I can do many things. I remember that, that I worked with a startup and one of the The things that I did is actually fire someone in their team because they didn't want to fire them, so they delegated that to me. I'm I'm used to the the, the whole chaos of of startup world. I'm I'm used to uh, uh, things that are impossible to make it possible. When when I interviewed with KPMG, one interview after the other, It's, it was a turnoff for me. I mean, interviewing process alone was a turnoff. And I kind of forced myself to go there because it was good for my career. It was paying a lot of money. And it was um, the, the direct manager, someone that I liked and I wanted to learn from. But when I, when I, when I was there, I was like, oh my God, this is so not me. So one day after the other, it was like literally killing my soul. And uh, when I heard about Oasis 500 and uh, another startup uh, also was interviewing me at the same time when I was in that corporate. So I, I realized a day and how much my, 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 you know, when your eyes turns into a heart, when you talk to someone, it's, it's when I talk to it's those people uh, that, was, uh, that were interviewing me and they were a startup. I was so happy, so energized. And when I go back to, the corporate world, I'm just dying. But, but I realized that there's maybe more into life than the career and the big corporates and the uh, big salaries and stuff like that. And and maybe just go after what, what makes me shining. Okay, I suffered from that decision, of course, financially, because I didn't know that 
uh, I would be sacrificing that much financially when I started uh, Abjad. But um, at the same time, what I know is that even if I didn't start Abjad, I wouldn't have ever be able to continue working in a corporate. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was uh, the the journey of the corporate. There's so many jumps from, uh, from one career to another, from quality control to process engineer to marketing to stuff like that. I even, I, I was a trainer at some point. I yep. gave training with yep. courses uh, because my MBA was in total quality management and I kind of gave uh, training courses in that in that uh, thing. That reflects my character. Uh, I'm, I'm someone who likes to uh, to do many stuff and to mm-hmm. learn many things. I'm, uh, the other day I was, discussing this with one of my friends and it was I was telling her and this it was the first time to understand myself actually you know when you talk to a friend you kind of understand yourself yep. more that I'm, I'm more of a horizontal person not a vertical person so I'm so interested in going vertical in a certain aspect of work but I'm so interested in going horizontal and and doing everything but right, in connecting Abjad, I, Oh, I'm, I did everything in Abjad from customer care. I was a customer care agent. I was the social media admin. I was the one who's raising funds from investors. I was a product manager. I was brainstorming with the UX. Uh, I I do almost every everything uh, except for writing code. Yep, so yep. Uh, so so really, yeah. uh, I'm more of this horizontal person who likes to do stuff. So even when I was at quality control. I used to be curious about the, the 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 business part of the whole thing. So I used to enjoy going to the client and and analyzing what the client wants. You know, in the software houses, it's it's you're building yep. a product for a certain client. So I used to enjoy all this. Uh, so wherever they 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 want me, I I would do it. I I, just did, I would just do the job, and I like to understand all the aspects. And in in Abjad, I. I, I've been doing the marketing and the product and the customer care and the sales and uh, yeah. even with the publishers, I like to understand how they do their work. So I have curiosity. So that that's why I, I I do everything. Okay, so so going back to the beginning of the story, so to speak, you, you come up with the idea, you go through the pitch competition, and you win, you make it to the final, and uh, yeah. here you are. And uh, as you mentioned, you you do everything in the company except for coding. I mean. So you're, you don't know how to code. So how do you, what do you do next? How do you look for a technical co-founder? Where did you start with that? Uh, oh my God, that, that's tough. Anjad, that, that's very tough. The technical part is all, is, is, is a, is a very tough thing, especially when you're not the technical person in the, in the, as a founder. Um, yeah. At the beginning, uh, what I reached for, uh, of course, one of my friends, because I, was, I used to work in a software house, so I have a lot of friends who are software engineers. So one of my friends was working with another startup, and I told him that I've just got this. Would you like to quit and join? And he was like, yeah, I will. That was the meme. Yeah. And uh, he's, a, he's also a shareholder, and he has shares in the company. And he's the one who built it from scratch, like literally from scratch, everything from uh, the servers, the database. So we brainstormed together and he was on his own writing code, uh, got the the first MVP. He worked until 
2016, uh, he actually wrote the back end for the whole subscription. But mm. he wasn't there to see the subscription working because oh, he left sad. in 2016. Yeah. yeah. So in 2016, uh, he told me that he wanted to um, to explore other opportunities, uh, 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 and and he 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 kind of خلص, uh, uh, the startup thing got really into him, and you know it's crazy, and you uh, yeah, it's very stressful. Ah, uh, it's very stressful, and uh, you you really sacrifice a lot, especially in the beginnings. Now, when you have a team and things are getting growing, hey, it's a different kind of stress. But yep. the stress at the beginning is is really all sacrificing everything about yourself financially and uh, inner peace and social life and like everything. So he was kind of خلاص يعني he wants to 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 go to another journey and and start something else and uh, and to, to, this the whole stressful thing is stress for, from startups is is uh, not for him anymore. So, but it took him like six months of leaving uh, because he wanted to make sure that the subscription model is out and that he is leaving Abjad in good hands. So he looked for alternative and he looked for someone to handle and he had to, they did, he did a handover for, for uh, uh, that person yep. f- uh, with, with the videos recorded. And till now we are 2023 and we still use the videos that he recorded. Nice. Because the uh-huh. whole back end is him, you know, and we we kind of built on what he built. Uh, until now, of course, he was he he was the one who interviewed our tech lead that is currently our tech lead. Uh, mm-hmm. the, all the tasks and all the reviewing and uh, once you you are a technical co-founder in a company, you're always this technical co-founder, and I always get back to him when when things are. Um, uh, w- when we want something like really huge to work on, so yep. till this date he still interviews with us and stuff. Nice. Um, and so, then uh, from one yeah. software engineer to another yeah. to another to another, till now, alhamdulillah, we have a product team. Uh, we have a tech lead who has uh, three other software engineers, and only recently, actually, we have a CPO. A head of product who's working with them. Cool, nice. Yeah, um, it's, it's lovely to see, especially looking back at the story. Yeah. So, <laughs> another thing from the beginning of the story is, I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, the community is so strong. It, it was, it's so important strategically for Abjad. How did you get those first users? Those, oh those my initial, god, like, how did you, how did you do that? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't. I don't have one word to describe it other than absolutely crazy. Uh, I mean, what I did back then, uh, for sure, for sure, like hundred percent sure, I would never ever be able to do it again. It was an energy that was uh-huh. at that time, uh, and I just wanted this so badly, and. I know I know something about myself that when I want something, I would do anything to get it, like anything. So I literally did anything, like everything and anything, uh, like like literally getting. Tell the us ad- some of those things. The, the <laughs> advocates, the readers, uh, the heavy readers in the community of 
for reading, uh, I, I used to search for them by name, one by one. على Goodreads, on Facebook, on Twitter. Back then, لسه ما كان في, we didn't have Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat. So, yep. it's kind of easier to know where people are yeah. because there aren't like really uh, uh, that many, many places to look. Facebook. It's either Facebook or Twitter. It's, it's, yeah. uh, there is, there's nothing else. But mm-hmm. other things were like communities that we you can find on Goodreads. And there are the communities of people who read PDFs. So there's like the forums and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to, to, to get the heavy readers and to search for them, add them on Facebook or Goodreads or Twitter and drag into conversations with them and explain to them who I am, what am I doing, what is Abjad and why. Pitch for them as if I'm pitching for investors. And to get them, yani. Uh, me and Tamim, we agreed that the the uh, the date that we're gonna uh, get Abjad running was eighteenth uh, of June twenty uh, twelve. Eighteenth of June twenty twelve. Uh, very quick. Yeah, yeah. Oasis gave us the money first of May twenty twelve, and we got Abjad out in. 18th of June 2012. So it took us exactly a month and 18 days. Wow. During this month and 18 days, while Tamim was coding and uh, getting uh, the website up and running, I was building the community of Abjad on Facebook and Twitter and Goodreads and telling everyone that on that day, we want to all sign up and start writing reviews. So on the 18th of June, we had like, I don't know what was the number back then, but let, let's assume it was like 5,000 users. But the good wow. thing is people started writing reviews and ratings on yeah, this Yeah, wonderful. And then I started to, uh, I, I wanted to make the network bigger. So I started to hire like community managers to talk to other uh, people and uh, I was literally on tw- Twitter was, by the way, the, the best user acquisition tool back then. Uh, to, I used Twitter uh, to, um, to headhunt authors and readers and to make them retweet, retweet us. And whenever we got a retweet from Masalan, uh, big author, I remember that, that Murid Barghouti, when he did a retweet for us, we got like wow. 3,000 users on the website. He's such and- a lovely person. He was. Allah uh, yeah. I, I love Lovely. him. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, he was a, a good friend of mine. Towards really? the end. I finally met him and wow. became friends. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I absolutely enjoy every single. Lucky you. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and also, of course, his wife. I mean, they're both uh, sure, incredible my authors. Authors, yeah. Of course. And, uh, and we. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Things that, that are illegal to do now were le- were somehow legal to do back then. APIs on Twitter and, and Facebook, they don't allow you to write on behalf of the user whenever you like. So yep. back then, the APIs weren't that protected. So nice. whenever a user would sign up, he would automatically tweet and uh, Facebook on his uh, uh, Facebook account. I am now a reader on Abjad. 
with a link yep. for so all his so this is why I wanted the advocates you know when one yep. reader who has a lot of followers on Twitter would tweet that his followers any literally influ- what what we call now influencers marketing I used to yep, do yep. it for free yep. through spamming people and headhunting users and uh, begging yeah. users to tweet about us and begging <laughs> users to write reviews about us and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call it spamming. To be, honest. I'd call it like really pitching and really convincing and communicating and yeah, and spamming because uh, <laughs> spamming is like I am now a reader on Abjad. This is so illegal nowadays. No yeah, API yeah. allow you to do that <laughs> ever. So yeah, yeah. and uh, everything that you do on Abjad used to reflect on their Facebook and Twitter, like um, uh, writing a review, rating, uh, writing a quote. Uh, you can uh, uh, progressing in reading. You can all, all see them reflecting on Facebook and uh, and Twitter if yep. they have yep. signed up through Facebook and Twitter. Right, and uh, and it just shows the importance of you know when there's a new platform and the platform is growing, you can sometimes have opportunities that you won't have later on. So you you better uh, like ride yeah. that API wave to, till till the end and and make the best yeah. use of it. True. True. Uh, and I think the core lesson I'm learning from you here is is the importance of going to the market and and having a, a, a way to do that. Just starting with five thousand users, because a lot of, especially like technical co-founding teams, what they would have done is they're just going to build the product. We're going to make it a great yeah. product. We're going to think of all the cool features. People are going to love blah 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 blah, and you know put it out there. And then hey, where are the people? You know, you, you didn't ask anybody here. You know, yeah, what, yeah. How 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 yeah. how should they hear about you? <laughs> So, Unless it's something like a really, if it was a, tech, a purely tech product, and even if it was yeah. a purely tech product, you still need, I think you, you need two to three co-founders. You need the technical, you need the business and the sales, which was me mm-hmm. and me. And maybe a third, I would say, maybe may someone, um, the creative person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For when you say the creative person, what do you see as their role? The, the look and feel, or maybe because that was my pain back then. Um, the look and feel of the brand, uh, the the messages, the the the, right. the, the yeah, the whole this so whole thing. The design oriented person, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The design oriented person. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, um, and some of course products are really lucky in the magic. You know that they have they have so much product market fit. The design can really suck, and it's still, you know, people use it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Like that. yeah, but you, but, you but need most to... people don't. You, if you chose that, well, mostly yeah. you're not. So I want to kind of dive a bit into the business model aspect. Uh, you know of what you're doing, and uh, your business is dependent on doing deals with a lot of publishers, large mm. and small. And you're a small, smart startup at the end of the day. How do you handle the work of, and complexity of setting up all these deals and, and doing yeah. that? It, it, it was the same um, state of mind that I had when I created the community of users. Like, mm. uh, it takes a lot of lobbying and a lot of talking and you need to go big first. It was so easy to sign with all the long tail publishers, but we didn't want those because those have the books that no one would read so we knew that uh, and at the same time uh, there's something in the Arabic publishing scene it's very fragmented 
يعني for the English language you would like see two three publishers that owns like 80 90% of the whole publication يعني there's a lot of capitalism in in the world of the English language publishing scene but in in the Arabic world it's very fragmented so the top publishers would would be like around 100 right. not two or three mm-hmm. so uh, and 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 also the the arab world when you when you target the the user in saudi arabia it's totally different taste than the egyptian user and then mm-hmm. the users in north africa and the levant users and the users arabic users living in the us there's a, a totally different taste here and there. So you can't like really have two, three publishers and 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 you would think that that would work for everyone. So what I did is exactly the same. Is It took me a lot to sign with the first four or five big publishers. Uh, and from there, you, I, I, I sort of go to the next publisher and tell them that I have this publisher and I mm-hmm. have that. Mm-hmm. And you need to kind of know who do they trust. Okay. So, so, so don't mention a publisher that they hate. Like, they would hate you, and yep. uh, and and uh, and build like a good success case study with a big publisher, and 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 uh, and see that you're you're dealing with him in a very transparent way, very ethical way, and you're adding value to them. So they would talk about this. But mm-hmm. I know the publishers and the publishing scene, they like any other industry they all talk to each other a lot they they mm-hmm. they they're friends they go to like 15 different book fairs all around the year together uh, yep. so they always talking and they're always uh, as, uh, uh, discussing stuff so you need you need to to maintain a good word of mouth so mm-hmm. so what i did is that i really 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 put like impossible kind of effort to sign with the the, the 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 top ten or twenty publishers, like one of the mm-hmm. you know, they are effort. I really, I'm I'm, I'm you know, one of the publisher was like four years to 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 sign with them. Uh, another was like only last year. So, so yeah. since 2016 till now, yeah. I'm trying yeah. to, to to get them. لا أنا ذا convincing for the publisher was before 2017 it started 2016 yeah, yeah. Okay. because I, yeah. I was prepared for for yeah. this so since 2015 I was attending all the bo- the book fairs uh, that happens in UAE uh, in Egypt uh, recently Saudi Arabia Lebanon uh, uh, and I used to go to their just jumping from one office to another, talking to publishers, pitching here and there. And literally a, a, a sales cycle would take like three to four years. Wow. And yeah. and you mentioned like in an earlier like uh, question about how you really got to understand the publishing business as well. I mean, how, wh- what what do you need to do to structure the deal in a way that's acceptable to, to them? I mean, how how did you approach that? talk to them yeah. a lot like i used to stay at in a meeting for more than three hours talking listening yeah. asking like like what you do in a podcast i would do with a publisher but privately like asking right. about every single detail how did you start who's the owner mm-hmm. 
what what what's the pain and i wouldn't be like interviewing i would re- like be really feeling with them well yep. i i love books and probably each publisher i have read a couple of their books i, I know a couple of their authors um, mm-hmm. i used to go to book clubs even bef- before abjad so i'm 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 kind of uh, uh, i kind of know what they're doing and it it used to show in my face when I, for example, Ghassan uh, Kanafani is one of my favorite authors. So when mm-hmm. I went to the publisher of Ghassan Kanafani and, and they told me about the story of getting his writings and, 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 and reading them and they know his wife. And but it used to show, يعني, I used to shine when I, when I hear the story. Yeah, yeah. So when, when they see how much that kind of, makes me very interested and very happy and I want to ask more and more and more they would want to talk and and right. this whole chemistry between me and them turned out into trust and uh and and uh wanting to 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 deal with us more because they can see that there's something different right and and you can't fake that I mean you can't fake interest you yeah, have to you really yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah, be interested yeah. And, and people feel that and, and they connect with that yeah so going to the other side of the equation like the, the readers and the you know the subscribers as they are now how did you how do you grow abjad how do you acquire new ones how do you how do people find out about you now today now uh we continued with the influencers marketing but this time we're paying <laughs> it's not, <laughs> our, it's not like yeah. it's not like me going and headhunting and begging for people to talk about us for free. Yeah. So we we continued with this. Actually, we did this when when it was like unknown. Like in 2017, influencers yep. marketing wasn't like something that people know about. But uh, I would say we were we were among the first. Uh, let's say in in our in our area in our region to to start talking to those influencers and pay for mm-hmm. them and, and try to get people from different regions. Uh, we worked on our SEO, of course, to to get more organic traffic, and yep. um, and we did all kind of um, also community building through the Facebook groups uh, that talks about books, the Twitter accounts that talks about books. We worked on Snapchat and TikTok for to reach to to an untouched audience, also mm-hmm. through through influencers. So uh, we do a lot of campaigns, um, trying to be creative, like uh, discounts campaigns, and uh, we get exclusive content from the publishers uh, to get the book on Abjad before it's printed. Uh, nice. authors are uh, very the best influencers like when 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 one of, of course. their books are, is out he would organically talk about it uh, one of the things that caused 100% growth over one month like we doubled wow. over one month, <laughs> was because of an author who talked about us organically Bilal Fadl oh nice wow you that's uh, yeah of course <laughs> so um so this is why the beginning when we were talking and you were asking me how are things going, I was telling you mm-hmm. that I, I learned that you can't control everything because yeah, yeah. at the end we were working, and, hard working work. and, and doing and uh, the thing that caused this was something that happened organically. 
هلا if we weren't working hard would that still happen organically i think not of course because right. we were knocking all the doors and trying to get users from all different platforms we actually uh yani uh, bilal fadl knew about us and because he knew about yep. us he talked about us and because he talked about us we we got this organic growth nice uh, he has a huge audience of course uh yeah So okay, uh, looking back at your story, kind of and 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 the suffering in the beginning and and not having revenue and all that, should you do you think you you it could have gone another way, or, or should you have been thinking about revenue generation earlier in your story, but you didn't know that that was the case? No, no, I knew. Of in a revenue is, I mean, it's ABC any business that you need revenues, but. I think that the business model that we had in mind was uh, too optimistic, this marketplace thing. And right. uh, uh, I didn't uh, kind of go to the publishers at an earlier stage. I was really mm-hmm. focused on the readers and the community. So we could, I could have, have learned that uh, this is not uh, the business model to go after uh, way before. We we mm-hmm. we went for it, and I traveled, and I started talking to publishers, and we kind of had a semi implementation for for this business model. So I think that right. I I was late to 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 knock the doors uh, of the publishers. Uh, the first ever yeah. meeting with publishers was in September 2014, and I started Abjad in May 2012. So it took yeah. me two. Two and a half years to to knock the door of the publisher, which is wrong. Yeah, I I should have focused on the publisher as much as I was focusing on the users, uh, on the readers. Yeah, or at least very quickly thereafter. I mean, as soon as you have the readers yeah, on board, you know, go go yeah. knock on the publishers. Yeah, yeah, much yeah. much quicker. Yeah. Okay, so. Uh... Any exciting stuff in the Abjad roadmap coming up? Is there anything new that's happening? Uh... Uh, well, I, the, the most exciting right now is that we finally have a, a, a head of product. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, I, w- I was acting as the, the product manager for, for the past 11 years and while doing everything else. So I was only giving it like 30% of my attention. So now having someone who has 100% of his attention on this and now mm-hmm. that we became like a popular applic- application and uh, users are, are loving it. So the, the optimization of the product at this stage needs a lot of creativity now. We're in a different stage. So now we can think about a recommendation model, how to integrate some AI into it, how to... Uh, optimize more and more on the discovery of the content, how to uh, increase the retention of the user, how to, all these kind of things were for us, it wasn't the time, it was never the time. Yeah. We're always fire shooting and we're always yeah. trying to grow and we're always trying to fix problems. But right. now, like actual prob- problems are happening, but now we, yeah. we will actually think, you know, we, we have the time to think. And to excel, and and uh, now we have a lot of data, and we can provide this data in 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 um, uh, get use it uh, and and provide it. 
and and become like uh, uh, the, the the generator for data in the Arab world about reading who reads what and when and how much and uh, uh, what's what's the interest and what's trendy so um it's pretty interesting that we now can can think about uh more creative stuff that would that 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 would really be like different than just running the business to generate revenue to grow to do to uh, to to live to survive now yes, we, survival ah uh, the survival mode now now, now we're we're yeah. definitely uh, gonna gonna have the, the the capacity to to go beyond survival that's great that's great and I, and i so feel the 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 power of the data you have and the ability uh, you know to build recommendation yeah. engines and and of course you know, you can take it to the next level with the users and they'll, uh, it'll add a lot of value to them. Yeah. So, um, I mean, going away from the technology and uh, maybe an influencer or an author writing about you and, uh, and giving you a uh, huge growth, I have a feeling that COVID must have also had like a big oh effect. Oh my God, on of course, of course. I always say it took a pandemic <laughs> for two things for actually three things but the third is very personal for uh for publishers to actually realize that digital is where to go and you can't dismiss it many many yeah, publishers yeah. that were the four or five years cycle many a lot of it ended in in 2020 actually you know yeah. we actually signed with I them can imagine. although i was taking talking to them since 2015 so it took a pandemic mm-hmm. for publishers to realize the importance of digital and it took a pandemic for investors to actually realize that digital content is is something as trendy as fintech because all the investors money were going to fintechs and gaming and stuff and we yep. had like hard time raising being content and uh, stuff like that and community. So we actually, Series A was uh, was done in 2020. I raised 1 million yep, yep. in a lockdown. And the third thing that is personal that m- my mother finally is convinced to pay her invoices online. Electricity invoice. I was telling her that can you use online payment through your bank account you don't need to go there to pay for it, yep. to pay your bills. Sorry, <laughs> the bills, not the invoices, her bills. So so now she she's now uh, convinced and she now does it online. So it took a pandemic and a lockdown for three things to happen. For all these things to happen in your life. <laughs> uh, luckily, they're all positive things. So, I mean, that's good. Uh, okay. Um, now, going back to the... To again, like the the, the the idea of having a co-founder and then, or a technical maybe lead uh, and having them leave. Yes, it seems that it's it's you guys have managed it well and it's really good. But of course, it's hard, you know. Um, so I mean, if you could go back in time and give yourself advice about how to go about the idea of finding a co-founder, uh, yeah. what what would be the advice you give yourself? First of all, get more co-founders uh, mm. because uh, being a solo founder is uh, is horrible. And uh, second of all, get more money. I mean, our seed investment was, was $15,000. So currently, the, the seed investments are like 
100k and at times it's a million and there's pre-seed and seed and know our seed yep. was $15,000 and we managed to uh, the, the second round we got it in 2014 January so you're talking about two years of living on a $15,000 so so I spent all my savings I was like yep. uh at level zero or minus zero uh, financially. Yeah. And a uh, third thing is, uh, of course, listen to, to your customer earlier. We, we, it's not only the publishers, had the users, since day one, they were asking uh, us how to read the book and we were like stubborn. We are a community. We don't want your money. We don't want you to read books. Uh, you know, we were so stubborn when it comes to that. So uh, more flexibility and more listening to, yeah. to, to clients and uh, users would have, uh, would have saved us a lot of time and money. Yeah, that's all great advice. And, uh, and I mean, you, you seem to have, like, feel the pain of being a solo founder. What are the challenges of being a solo founder? You, you can't just have a nervous breakdown and cry. It's just not something that you can do. Uh, even when you have a nervous breakdown, uh, you, you, you'll have it all alone and you'll just fix it very fast and then just got, got on your feet and continue doing what you're doing. Because you, you can't always have this energy all the time and your energy will fall down. It's a roller coaster of energy up, energy down. So mm -hmm. when, when you're down, he or she will be up and we kind of motivate each other. You can have your nervous breakdown and be crying for like a week or so while they would handle things and then they are allowed to have like a week of nervous breakdown and you can handle things you can uh, you know they always say that the 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 the, 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 the founder and CEO backslash CEO job is 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 uh is a very lonely job yep uh so what makes it less lonely is actually having those co-founders even if mm -hmm. you have like a team and of course the team is a bless and you can always talk to your team and, and and the team would handle things with you and stuff like that but but when it when it comes to 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 so many other things to, uh, the, the disappointments from talking to investors the disappointments that happens when you try yeah. to sell the the rejection emails uh, you can't all share all, all that with the team you know yeah. so so you you need co-founders to to kind of share this uh, this thing to share the pain <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's so lonely and harsh. Yeah, to have to be a solo founder. Okay, um, let's leave that sad note and uh, go to something <laughs> else. Um, yeah. you uh, you raised a round of uh, equity crowdfunding, um, like from oh. over forty investors. So what what made you go down that path? How did that happen? Because content and communities, uh, as I told you, it wasn't uh, it wasn't trendy and sexy for the investors. It's actually a turn off for investors. Mm -hmm. Investors didn't want that. Uh, when we started Abjet, uh, everyone you had no went, other choice. Ah, oh, I didn't have another choice. I had to go to the to the tough path because investors were so obsessed at the beginning with e-commerce, and when they realized that e-commerce isn't really working <laughs> in the Middle East. And things weren't as good as they thought would be. At the beginning, everyone wanted us to be e-commerce. And maybe that's why I was influenced to do this marketplace. 
because I was also yeah. brainwashed that the only thing that would work is e-commerce. So right. I, was, I was kind of brainwashed uh, uh, to, to do this uh, marketplace thing. And, uh, and then the trend becomes the game, uh, gaming uh, industry, and then the fintech industry. And the, so content was never uh, something trendy, except for now. Now mm -hmm. it is. Now people yep. are thinking of digital content as something that is trendy and sexy for investors. And it's kind of, mm -hmm. uh, let's, let's check for that. But at the beginning, we, we didn't have that. Yeah, we have the pandemic to thank for that again. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So what do you recommend? I mean, since you did an, an equity crowdfunding, what, what are the best practices for doing something like this, in your opinion? Um like to to have like 30 40 percent of the round guaranteed before you kick off your campaign so right. you can create word of mouth from that for example yeah i mean it's all it's it's all a game of word of mouth you know now we reach five percent oh my god we reached ten percent oh my god now we're at 40. only the uh 90 days left any it's like a game yeah so mm -hmm. you need to have the the 30 percent guaranteed before you start because the 30% will bring you the 70%. Right. And this is almost what happened to us. Yeah, so so you reached out to the people in your kind of uh, mentorship yeah. uh, sphere, uh, people in the reader community. Uh, users, users, a lot of you users have tested, uh, uh, friends, family, uh, investors, uh, mentors, anyone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and and get that ready so that, you know, you kick off with a bank. Yeah, so you can kick off with that. Get some names. So you would say mm -hmm. that uh, XYZ invested. So why don't you come and invest to, to add some credibility? So, so yeah, you you need that to make, to, to make it happen. And, uh, right. and of course, you need like a, a nice uh, video that is short and... Uh, uh, would just get the message out uh, and you need to put yourself out there talking uh, mm -hmm. uh, to investors because some of them would want to talk to you before they actually tra transfer the money so yep. you need to make yourself fully available so for 90 days I was like extremely and fully available for, for the campaign okay cool so on the subject of fundraising, um, you raised the, as you mentioned, like the Series A round, like well into the pandemic, December, I think, 2020, mm -hmm. right? Uh, $1 yeah, million. Yeah, yeah. So what what are the goals you have uh, based on this round of financing? What do you want to achieve with this money or what have you been working on? Yeah, of course, uh, uh, we reached like 160% growth in revenues between 2021 to 2022. So how did that happen? Actually, by investing a lot in the product itself, because the product has issues. Mm -hmm. It had issues in 2020. So mm -hmm. the whole subscription thing needed revisiting and, uh, the, uh, and a lot of payment gateways needed to be introduced, like, we introduced Stripe, Fowey for Egypt, all the digital um, wallets in Egypt, Vodafone Cash and stuff. Stripe, yep. so it would like accept all kind of credit cards and Visa cards in the region. Uh, we needed to introduce a semi-annual and annual subscription. We needed to kind of redesign the whole 
uh, landing experience, the homepage of the app, and we needed to to uh, kind of be much faster in the digitization of the content. And uh, so we needed a much bigger content team so that the content pipeline would just uh, uh, flow easier. And we needed mm-hmm. to spend in marketing. So people would, would understand who are we and what are we doing and, 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 uh, and why, and why would I pay if there's PDF for free and what is a subscription model uh, as a start? So, uh, so we spend a lot, a lot in product, a little bit in marketing, and a little bit in content. Right. And and what was the process of doing this fundraise? How how did you go about it? Yeah. So the, the key word for for the fundraise is to have a lead investor. You need a lead right. investor who has uh, the 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 guts to to lead fully. Due diligence, legal, financial, technical, uh, uh, understand the business with you, be all in with you, pitch with you, and so I was, I was lucky to have this lead investor. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not only luck; it's luck. Really, you know how luck uh, uh, yeah. that that is around the hard work. So I knocked yeah. Yeah. like one thousand doors till my door was knocked. And I was reached out for, by a lead investor that I've never knocked their door. Interesting. Yeah. So he came to us. He did his research. He was interested in what we're doing. And he was like, I am interested in leading this round. Nice. So when that happened, it worked out. Before that, yeah. I was just knocking doors. Knocking yeah. doors either not hearing an answer or hearing a yes that then doesn't go anywhere or hearing a no or it's it's like a, a lot a lot of uh, checking and talking and uh, going back and forth and uh, yeah it's a horrible process <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. Uh, it's very rare when you when you meet a founder who says i love fundraising you know <laughs> it just doesn't <laughs> Uh, it yeah. doesn't happen a lot. It's painful, yeah. Uh, it's painful. Yeah, it is. So um, you mentioned now when you were talking about what you were doing with this round that you 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 had you had to your marketing had to convince people to pay for the PDF, so to speak. How did yeah. you do that? I mean, what what did you tell them? How did you figure out the message? A lot of campaigns that talks about what is the difference between PDF and ebook, because mm. there's a big. An ebook is something that you can highlight and search and uh, increase the font, and it has an amazing reading experience. While the PDF is an image, and most yep, of the time yep. it's scanned and it's uh, sometimes it's, it misses some pages. Come on, Yanni, it's uh, it has a missing yeah. content. So we had to do a lot of campaigns to to tell people what is the difference between PDF and ebook. And mm-hmm. uh, the next thing is. To get people to use it, uh, the best thing that worked is actually to give people a lot, a lot, a lot of promo codes to use it for free. Mm-hmm. Just use it for free, get hooked, love it, and then you'll pay for it. So this is yep, this is yep. what worked the most. Like use it for free. Interesting. Go on, use it for free. We don't want money now. We don't want revenue. Just use it, use it, use it. Abuse it. Yeah. Uh, uh, take promo codes a couple of times. Do whatever you want. But uh, realize the difference. 
when they started to realize the difference, they started to talk about it. The word of mouth had, has brought the rest of the people. Right. So going on a different note, I mean, a bit uh, away from Abjad in a direct way, uh, you've been tweeting recently about the importance of being present. Yeah. Tell me more about that. <laughs> well, I've, I've kind of uh, uh, realized how much your mental health is a priority. Uh-huh. And uh, this whole journey of the startup uh the biggest thing that you kind of sacrifice is your 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 mental health. Mm-hmm. And I've been I've been through a lot of uh, difficult times uh, to, to 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 try to to manage all this and remain the hero that's doing all that. And uh, and I, at the same time, as an entrepreneur and a founder, you always think about the three five next years three five next year your financial projections how much you want to grow what you're gonna do who are you gonna hire the team the the future and that really 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 uh, drains you it's very stressful to keep thinking about what's next and the future and you kind of lose uh, touch with reality and where are you now and the present moment and all that now it's it's getting more and more into into like focusing more on what's happening now and 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 your mental health and uh, focusing on what's happening is is something that we kind of lose touch and uh with this very fast uh life that we live in and add to it yep. a startup it makes it like you're running a marathon all the time so i, yep. I always need something to ground me so mm-hmm. reading and the, the the talking about the present moment always uh, gets me in a, in a better state of mind. Yeah, um, I I agree with you, of course. Um, and uh, I've I've saw also you you've been putting quotes from Gabor uh, Mate. Uh, I, I guess yeah. you probably you see you look like you're reading his latest book. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, I haven't read it yet, but uh, I heard him on the Tim Ferriss podcast. He was really, really deep. He's, in... my, new, he's my new discovery. And, yeah, uh, he's quite I, a guy. Recently, one of my friends mentioned him in front of me. And mm-hmm. I, I've, I've, I've kind of got obsessed with him. And um, I watched his documentary. I'm currently reading his book. And, yep. um, and he's, he's really something. And always an entrepreneur thinking but i was thinking that why isn't all his stuff translated to arabic so uh the next thing i'm gonna do is i'm gonna pitch him for one of the publishers uh yeah i think that all the stuff he's writing about and talking about has to be translated into arabic yeah yeah i would also recommend you listen to his episode with Tim Ferriss on the uh, on that uh, podcast. Yeah, I I heard that he has a a, a nice uh, podcast. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, uh, his episode with Tim Ferriss was uh, Tim Ferriss. I recorded with him. It was really good. They went. Uh, they they touched a lot of the things you might like. Anyway, I, if I if I remember, I'll send it to you. Uh, please do, please do. All right. Um, um, on the subject of like reading books and. Uh, some would say the books are, are less and less relevant. You know, I mean, the idea of spending like days reading hundreds of pages, you know, you can, yeah. well, you can follow the best expert on the subject and they'll be blogging like uh, two or three page articles about it or yeah. maybe a 60 second TikTok video that says, you know, really uh, 
cool things and, and all that. I mean, what, what do you think about that? You think you, it'll be less and re- less relevant? No, no, no. I always say that whenever you get, uh, you get passionate about something new, new, and sub, forget about, for example, startups or anything. Like Gabe uh, mm-hmm. Rumate, you, you got obsessed about him. You would find that there's a whole audience and the whole world revolving around this new subject that they are talking about. And you never knew it actually exists. So mm-hmm. there's always audience for every single thing, thing that you would know about, things that you would never imagine that there's a, even an industry <laughs> that, that's talking about it. So... So as much as the attention span of uh, the, the new generation is getting shorter and shorter with all the TikToks and Snapchats and the reels and uh, the two-second things and the 10-second th- things, but a book is a book. And, and a book is always, I say that a book is always the source of every other media. It starts with a book and it becomes a movie, sometimes a song when it's poems. Sometimes a series. Uh, from a book, you can get a bunch of reels uh, and TikToks talking about a subject that you have read in a book, podcasts, documentaries. But when you think about it, mostly, mostly, it's more, like 80% of the times, the source of that, all this media was a book. And mm. an author. Or several uh, books. Ah, yeah, yeah. Like, like Gabriel Mate, Yani. His books actually brought him to do now a documentary, uh, uh, a podcast. Uh, people are interviewing him. I'm sure there, there, there's going to be a center somehow uh, 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 talking about his, his philosophy and how to, uh, uh, I think he's, he's, he's very much into the addiction and how to solve the addiction problems for people. Yeah. So so I, so a book is always the, the source of these things. And, a lot of the, there's always an audience, even if it's a niche market, but even a niche market is a big market. Now, the word niche market, people think that it's always a small thing. No, a niche market is actually a big market, but you know, you need to know how to reach to them. Those niche markets would, would, would always want to know the source of the thing. Like me, yeah. I, I'm interested in this man. I heard him, I saw a couple of YouTube videos, I saw his documentary. But nothing at all would actually satisfy my curiosity unless I read one of his books. And this is why mm. currently I'm reading one of his books because everything else for me is nice. Yai, hello, a documentary is nice. But if I don't dive into his mind and read every single detail that he wrote, I would never be satisfied. And I'm not mm. the only person. There's a huge bunch of people just like me. Uh, yeah. And add to it another thing, uh, that reading by itself is also entertaining because you can be reading a fiction uh, novel uh, that talks about whatever, something that's totally fictional, and it would be like a, per- a page turner and you, you you wouldn't be able to sleep unless you, you read it. So, so it's turning into also something just like watching a movie. Yeah, it's as much better in my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, so so no, I don't think so. And I don't think that even the digital books would actually kill the print books. It's, you know, what happens to newspapers is not going to happen to books. 
book is mm. something else. A book is something else. It's the best gift. It's uh, something uh, tangible and uh, close to your heart. Digital and audio and stuff like that just made it easier for people to consume content and to reach to content and more affordable. But uh, a print book is going to remain there and it's going to remain important. And I don't think it would ever disappear. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, I mean, through the through the lens of Abjad, you have an eye uh, like on the diverse cultures in the Arab world, because, you know, kind of you, you're seeing how what they're consuming and uh, in terms of reading and things like yeah. that. And you mentioned during our conversation, you know, there, there were differences. So yeah. what what? What's the what's different between these different countries, and what's common uh, from your vantage uh, point? Literature is always common between the different Arabic countries and in the world. Literature, uh, uh, be it, uh, uh, yani novels is the most popular uh, 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 part of this literature thing that people would uh, w- would love. It's it's very common worldwide. Khalas, no one would yeah. disagree on this. What's different, for example, uh, I noticed uh, uh, that, for example, the self-help translated business books into Arabic, are they, they have a lot of interest in the Gulf region for that. They have a lot of mm-hmm. interest to, to, to read the foreign books in Arabic, whether it's self-help, it's psychology, business books, there's a lot of interest there. While in the North Africa and Egypt and North Africa, uh, they they do have interest in translation, but more of the literature translation. So they like the Turkish literature, the Russian literature, when it's translated into... Uh, but the translation by itself is something that really, really interests the Arabic-speaking uh, user. It's kind okay. of uh, introduced them to different cultures and make them explore the world through the translation mm-hmm. The different authors so it yep. is like something really but so yeah philosophy is something is there anything that, common you, oh philosophy sorry philosophy is, is becoming trendy is becoming trendy uh, yep. all over uh the the arabic region like people are noticing the importance of philosophy understanding it some authors are actually writing for the 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 abc of philosophy Got it. Okay, I mean, if you were starting a startup now, and it wasn't abject, what do you think you you think are the opportunities now you would work on? Uh, first of all, I I I I don't think I would be crazy enough to go to start another startup again. <laughs> I, I think okay. I've had enough <laughs> <laughs> from all the startup world and all what's happening. But if I am to to be crazy enough to start something new. And uh, I think what's trendy now, or maybe because what I'm passionate about now, but I can see that the world is becoming more aware is the mental health. Something yeah. really mental health. Say, I mean, which in a mental health, I mean, yeah. a bunch of psychiatrists to, to, to give you medication. Yeah. It's actually the total opposite of that. It's more of self-discovery. Positive uh, psychology, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. So, Psychology, stuff like that, yeah. Interesting. So I, I was just going to say that I see a pattern here, which is that you're always looking for places, things you're passionate about rather than exactly. looking where yeah. the money is. 
yeah, yeah. So yeah. no fintech yeah. ideas. Yeah. yeah so uh, I'm so bad at like jumping after an opportunity only because it generates money. I I can't do yeah. that. If I'm not passionate about it, I can't do it. Unless it's something that I'm doing on my own, standalone, like investing or I don't know. But I wouldn't like be able to create a team and have advocates and stuff if I wasn't like really passionate about it. Okay, fair enough. And uh, so, I mean, uh, you were just saying about how crazy it would be to start a startup, you know, uh, so... What advice would you give someone who was thinking of starting a startup? I mean, why not to start a startup? If you're starting this because it's cool and because it's a trend and because of you think that you're going to be like working flexible hours and be your own boss, don't do it because you're not working flexible hours. A less flexible hours means 24-7. This is the, this is the flexible hours. Unless it means you're going to wake up uh, in the middle of the night and, and start working on something because it just gives you a lot of anxiety that you can sleep. And uh, if you're not a uh, uh, hard worker, like really, 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 really hard worker, it wouldn't happen. So if you're someone who likes to enjoy life, don't do it. Because the first years, you're going to give up enjoying life. So, mm. so, or, or, or you have to find joy in the work itself. <laughs> I'm trying to, yes. you know, yeah, put a positive twist on it. <laughs> about because, yeah, 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 at the end, it's gonna become a really big thing in your life. Like, so yep. if you're, if you don't like it, your life would be, yeah, you'll, you'll be miserable. Uh, Great advice. So, yeah. No, go I ahead. Think that only, yani only like ten percent of the population should be the entrepreneurs in the world, mm. uh, and those ten percent should have a lot of a lot of support mentally and financially, and from the ninety percent of the world. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, so okay, I mean, I mean, you you were just mentioning that as a founder, I mean, you don't have a direct boss. That's good, of course, but but how do you motivate yourself? How do you decide what you do, what you do the next? Actually, that's not true. Everyone is your boss. My publishers are all my bosses. I mean, uh-huh. a publisher can make me work in a weekend if he wants to, because he's my client and uh, and he's uh, and if he needs something or if something is upsetting them or whatever, I would be there for them. So I think that my clients are my boss. I think my team also. Each one of them is my boss. I think own because I I mean I I I don't know how to translate that but I really believe in yeah, this yeah. Uh, sentence. Uh, yeah. So this, uh, this is roughly translated as the the servant of people is their leader, so to speak. Yes. So yes, I mean, exactly. and there is this like concept in Western management science of servant leadership, by the way. So yeah, but that's a more I, recent thing to the yeah. And I'm typical. I'm a typical servant leader. That this is the first time to hear this concept. Thank you for mentioning it. I'm I'm, I'm a typical servant leader. So I serve. I serve my team. Mm-hmm. I serve my clients. I serve uh, 
uh, my board and my investors. So uh, I've I've uh, I've never felt like I do, I don't have a boss. I, I I feel that everyone is my boss. So so, the, uh, so that keeps you energized, huh? <laughs> uh, energized. Uh, you have to get also, out of bed for them, right? For your boss. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Also, sometimes pressured and stressed, and uh, because you speak differently to each one of them. So it's it's like being a different person with each one. A user, a reader is not like an author, not like the publisher, not like a team member, not like a board member. So it's it's uh, it's a lot of pressure. So talking about not to start a, your startup is that you, you need to be, you, you need to serve all the time. So if you're starting this because you think you're you're gonna be the boss, you're not the boss. <laughs> Everyone else is the boss. Mm -hmm. You're you're just serving, and you're just coordinating yeah. and creating harmony. You're not bossing anyone. By the way, everyone is bossing you. <laughs> so so, so you better very, believe in the mission. Yeah, you better believe in the mission. Yeah. So, uh, going on a different track about the Jordanian ecosystem. What are the major characteristics of the Jordanian startup ecosystem in Europe? See, see, we, we had golden ages and I, I would call now the dark ages. <laughs> oh. We had the golden ages and uh, we were like, uh, Jordan was on the top at first. Like Osama Fayyad started mm -hmm. Oasis 500. It was the first incubator ever. Uh, the king himself actually motivated this, uh, supported this. Uh, the the richest people in 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 Jordan were very much supporting all that, and it was like uh, the golden ages, really. And I'm so lucky to be a part of this back then. Then life happened, and we have like a lot of competition, like uh, Egypt, uh, UAE, Saudi Arabia. They they started booming with a lot of startups, investors, incubators, accelerators. And I think that they have started later than Jordan, but made it faster. Mm. So now we, we are behind because we were not fast enough. And uh, let me say consistent. We were not consistent. Okay. So, uh, so I see that things are. Um, I think that things were better before. Right. Okay, that's fair enough. And this, despite all that, uh, I mean, you have a lot of Jordanian entrepreneurs that are pretty good. It's uh, just for our listeners. Not, not. I mean, Jor Jordan is not the is one of the smallest in terms of population. Uh, I mean, it's not a yeah, huge yeah. population. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, in the Arab world, so so definitely it's punching above its weight, so to speak, uh, in 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 that sense. Uh, yeah. What do you think is the what are the key things? And of course, it's not oil rich. You don't have capital, a lot of capital, like no. Uh, no. the UAE and Saudi Arabia, for example. So I mean, what do you think are the biggest things that are doable that that need to be done? Um, in Jordan, for the ecosystem in Jordan, yes. I think the whole environment of the country needs to be investment friendly, more investment friendly. Uh, yeah. 
uh, the laws of starting a company. The legal aspect. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the legal aspect is uh, is not very uh, needs needs to be optimized because as a country, the infrastructure is so good. I mean, starting a bank account, uh, our internet connection. I, I, I'm sure this is a, a very huge problem in Egypt and in Lebanon, for example. Uh, uh, our infrastructure in, in terms of country, it's a, it's a safe country, it's a calm country. It's, it's a country where I would think it's the best country to have the kitchen of your startup to be set up there. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. a country that you can target as a market, not at all. You, mm. you need to target, if you're targeting Arabic speakers, you need to target Egypt and Saudi Arabia and Algeria and all the big countries. But mm-hmm. uh, it's, a, it's a great country to have your back office uh, in there, your kitchen, uh, all the operations, everything, because we have an infrastructure and it's a small country and it's calm and we don't have this issue of uh, the big uh, the, the big countries of traffic and 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 people living in in a very uh, uh, fragmented places and uh, you can't like really it's it's very easy to meet with your team it's very easy to meet with people in jordan i mean in egypt yep. it's, it's like it's a nightmare just to meet up with a couple of your friends uh, yep. each one is living like an hour away and same thing by the way in saudi arabia riyadh is huge and and you need yep. to drive a lot and uh, uae has a lot of traffic so Infrastructure wise, I think Jordan is excellent, but the environment is not investment friend, fr- friendly in terms of, of uh, the, the legal stuff and the whole setup and and uh, and all these kind of stuff. Although we have very talented people, and I think this mm-hmm. is because of education. We have information technology was in our education at an earlier stage than any other country in the Arab world. And this yeah. is why a lot of software houses actually started in Jordan first and people were targeting Jordan's software engineers. But what happened mm-hmm. is Egypt was faster than us. And in Egypt, they, they were they introduced information technology maybe at a later stage than Jordan, but they were consistent and faster and, and that made the whole information technology become in Egypt. So for example, now the, mm. the Abjad software engineers are all in Egypt uh-huh. because we couldn't find any more Jordan. Yeah, they're yep. all uh-huh. either leaving or getting a better uh, uh, offers in Europe. Yeah. And very expensive. Yeah. They're very expensive. So, so I think Jordan has been always good in the start, but the consistency makes it always go be- behind afterwards. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. So, and and what would you like to change about the startup ecosystem in the Arab world? What would be the the thing you want to change? I don't know if the word is uh, uh, I can say it in a podcast. So f- feel free to make it toot if you like. <laughs> but I think that we have to cut off bullshitting a lot. I mean, okay. they are raising a generation of delusional entrepreneurs like mm. really can, can you tell me more i mean in what yeah. sense are they delusional you know that i'm now rejecting 90 percent 95 percent of any 
uh, a request to be on a panel in an event, to participate in a startup thing. Uh, and if it wasn't you, I wouldn't have even agreed on doing this podcast because I'm really sick of all the bullshit that's happening in the ecosystem of the startup world in the Arab world. I mean, they're 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 really delusional. They're they're talking about something that doesn't exist. They're 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 building this generation of people that don't understand what does it take to really make a product succeed. What they they're trying to copy Silicon Valley, and we're not Silicon Valley. Uh, the market mm. that you're targeting is not the American market. You're targeting no, a market that doesn't, that doesn't have credit cards. They, they they don't yeah. they, they they fear paying online you know and and you're yeah. you're comparing this to the American market where you're not considered a citizen if you don't have a credit card like literally you yeah. have you need to have a credit card to to be living there so yeah. so don't you need, they're they're, compa- they're comparing this to that and and they they want us to to make Amazon and Facebook and Netflix and why I mean. The talents that we have here are, are different than the talents out there, and the market here is different than the market there, and 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 everything. Yeah. everything and the needs are different, probably. Yeah. The needs is different. Everything is different. So, so stop this big lies about that we 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 need to copy them and and uh, the way the whole fundraising is happening and and and. The millions and millions of money that's going to places that you know you don't know why are they going there and a couple of years later you would uh, you wouldn't hear about the startup anymore for the 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 cash burning uh, the crazy cash burning that is happening only mm. only to get the PR of we raised 20 million we raised 30 million and where, where is it going why why are uh, why are we not using the products that they are doing actually <laughs> no. so to be i mean so someone like on the in this specific point i mean somebody might respond well this is actually this happens all over the world i mean this is what the venture capital world is you you place big bets on companies and some of them will fail and some will succeed but you need to to think big because this is the yeah. this is what venture capital is about it's not like a bank loan or something like that it's something that the, there is risk inherent in it and uh there is kind of big dreaming and, yeah, and things like that. that even that is uh is actually showing that it's it has been wrong and uh, and and they're doing that less now. Now, even in Silicon Valley, they're they're finally becoming revenue focused, and they're talking about revenue much more than traffic and uh, yeah. and uh, traction. So, so they realize, kind of maybe realize their mistake. Mm-hmm. So, and it is backfiring. Yeah. I mean, we, we can see a lot of bubbles that are 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 disappearing. So. Yeah. Uh, so I think that we, I mean, if anything, we should learn from what's happening in the world, not copy what mm-hmm. what is happening, and and also what what doesn't make sense just doesn't make sense. So, so no matter how they sugarcoat it, it just doesn't make sense to be burning that much cash. Uh, right. And 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 uh, irresponsible. Well, something unproven. Yeah. Yeah, and something. That, yeah, exactly. And and when you have like. Like really, really good, excellent kind of startup that is, that are adding value and they 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 do have 
a, 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 a product that is working, they have a hard time raising while people who are doing nothing, they are like raising much easier. You can see that a lot of nonsense is happening. So we, we need to, we need to, uh, yeah, I, I can see that a lot of startups has stopped working, shut down or whatever, although they're much better than a lot of startups that they are just raising because they mm-hmm. don't know how to bullshit as much as the rest. So, okay, I mean, let's take the other side of that. Uh, let me ask you, I mean, what are the characteristics of the best investors in your opinion? Um, that's a very good question. That if the investor is only someone who has money and he wants 10, 20 years later to get his return on investment, to just put the money and do not try to direct the entrepreneur into any place because you just admit and acknowledge that you do not understand this world and you're just interested in return on investment, full stop. This is one kind of silent investor who is supporting you financially, full stop. Bas, the problem is that a lot of the investors who has the money and don't understand the startup, the industry of that startup, the tech industry, because they have access to funds, they think they have to be involved or uh, direct the entrepreneur or pressure them or have a word uh, in, in, in how to run the, the company. Yani, I wish that investors would acknowledge when they don't understand something to just don't try to give advices or try to pressure the entrepreneur into doing something only because you are the investor. The other, this is, oh, and by the way, this is a good kind of investment because also a lot of the things that they, they were brain, brainwashing us with is get a strategic investor, get an investor who would understand, get an, don't only go after cash. I mean, what's wrong with going after cash? I mean, I'm the entrepreneur, I'm the founder, I understand the business, I know what do I need, I need to acquire talents who would run this thing with me, and those talents are expensive. So what's wrong mm-hmm. with having an investor that is with all the provide you with cash, and I have the mind and what it takes to run it? Leila, why should it have to be? A st- because if you want the investor to also be a strategic investor who would add value, who would help you, where, where should I get this this person? Yani you're 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 looking for one in a million, and he's rich, and or has uh, 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 some way, uh, or uh, or a a PC or whatever has access to funds. I mean, you can't find all that. Let's be realistic. There there are mentors. Mm. That. There are consultants that you can pay them. There are mentors who are generous for, with their time. There are talents that you can hire them for that. Right. Okay. So uh, now, like going to something maybe from your personal experience. I mean, like as a female founder in the Arab world, I mean, do you think this hang- handicaps you in any way or yes, no, how? No. I mean, it's the same. I mean, I have a lot of, a lot of my friends are founders or ex-founders or 
entrepreneurs uh, everywhere in the world, be it female or male, we all uh, we all suffer the same. <laughs> we, all, <laughs> we all have the same challenges. We all suffer the same. I mean, I've never noticed a certain kind of suffering that is gender related when it comes to entrepreneurship. It's always it's always the same. Maybe you can ask. Maybe because I don't have kids, that made it easier. The difference is if you have kids and it's not only gender related, it's the mother and the father. I think it's equally hard for a father and a mother. I mean, you can't, you can hardly be a father and sacrifice that much <laughs> in, mm. in your life. So yep. uh, having a startup uh, doesn't allow you all the time to be the, the, the provider in the family. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as as a father who had this, like was in this situation, it, it is a source of kind of pressure uh, in some aspects, but it's also also you could say a source of nourishment in, in some other aspects as well. So really? it kind of balances out. Yeah, yeah it depends. Not... I think on uh, and we were talking. I was talking with a couple of uh, of uh, people, including Ayman, uh, who you know. Our mentor, yeah. Right. Yeah, that that it can be a yeah. source of support actually sometimes yeah, when nobody yeah. else kind of believes in you. So I mean, yeah. it, it depends as everything in life, I guess. So True. I mean, right. five years from now, uh, what yeah. do you think Abjad uh, will be doing? I think that in five years from now, Abjad will be um, the 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 kind of the one and the only place. For anything related to Arabic books, when it's come to the digital work world, be it digital audio uh, podcasts, uh, I, I mean, we will we will be diving vertically into the books, the Arabic books world, mm -hmm. when it in the in the digital world, in all right. kind of formats. So right. now we have ebooks. I think we're going to end up having audiobooks. Uh, we're going to have kids' books, interactive books, uh, podcasts, maybe short movies. Anything that comes out of an Arabic book would be in this uh, application. Got it. And the, you made the, we've been going for so long. Uh, I, I'm respectful of your time, but, but you made a new question occur to me. It's your fault, not my fault. <laughs> when you said interactive books, yeah, um, how do you think the role of like artificial intelligence? I mean, yeah, do, you, I do, do, do you worry about it? Yeah, but not, uh, not at all. It's gonna On be the country, a tool. Huh? It's gonna okay. be a tool to fill up. It's gonna be a tool. Of, uh, I'm I'm so excited to see artificial intelligence getting into our world more and more, and where we can use it. Uh, whether in our operations, the book digitization can be faster. Whether in the audio, it can be it can scale up with less human effort. Uh, and uh, uh, whether uh, I think that any, I think we're gonna see a lot of interesting stuff. And yeah, but I look what about the the creation of our content? Because you know, some people are now writing articles on uh, on GPT. Why would that worry us? I mean. Uh, in the content generation, I think that artificial intelligence would be good up to 99%, and there is always a 1% human effort that is needed. 
Mm. So, so I don't, I don't think it will like kind of do it completely all. There's, there's a sense touch that will mm-hmm. remain there. There will remain needed in a way. And even yeah. if it went the hundred percent, why would that worry us? As long as you are a flexible person who would, uh, who would not resist the change in the world and would go with the flow and, and try to create opportunities from that, you would never be killed by technology. The ones who are killed by technology, who, those who resist. And this is mm. what I was telling my publishers all the time, that the more you resist, the faster you're going to die. So yeah. stop resisting because it's only going to kill you. So mm. get into the digital world, get into the audio world, get into the AI world. Don't make everything make you fear that the business that you have been running since the 50s and it's a family business, it's now changing. Yeah, yeah, it's changing. Yeah, it's changing. Just yeah. change with it. So right. um, yeah, has changed fast enough, it wouldn't be killed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So with that note, let me go into the quick fire round questions. You just short questions, short answers. Yeah. Although in your case, the first question, it's usually short, but I don't know if you'll have more of it. But the first question is, what books do you like to recommend to others? Oh, well, you said it in the beginning of the podcast, and I never get bored of this answer. Uh, I mean, if you didn't read Turadu Ashur, please do. And if you've never read Sulasiyat Gurnata, go read it now. Uh, you're missing a lot uh, in a beauty that will take you to another world and you can dive into like a week of reading something absolutely beautiful and absolutely brilliant. So go read for her. Okay. So uh, how do you unwind and how do you stay energized? Uh, that's a good question. I unwind by um, a lot of things. Nature helps a lot. Uh, hiking and traveling and uh, family and friends and uh, yoga and walking. Uh, there's a lot of things to unwind the stress inside you. Um, I'm very, I really love nature, so that really energizes me a lot. In work, specific in Abjad, uh, through through my publishers the most, and uh, and my team. Right. So through interacting with them. Mm, yes. Okay. Uh, third question: H- How do you think? Uh, who do you think we should host on the podcast? <laughs> who do I think? The Awarta, I but he's, uh, he has been my friend, my mentor, my consultant that I never pay for him, and uh, my brother, uh, Ahmed Jalal, Taskiti. Okay. Oh, yeah. Of course, I know Ahmed. Um, okay. Uh, what question should I have asked you that I didn't? I think you've you've done you've done it all. Yeah, we've been talking for like two and a half hours almost. Well, well, yeah, I'm uh, doing a bit. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I think you've uh, you've got it all. 
you, okay. you even know my true interest in life يعني Okay, so um, um, I'd like to close on a note of gratitude. Thank you for being on the podcast and uh, to ask you what is a gift that someone has given you that has had a positive effect on your life? Their time. Their time. The quality time is always uh, the, the gift that appreci- I appreciate the most. Quality time oh. from someone that I love. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, Iman, for being so open and so generous with your time and your thoughts and your experiences. Thank you, Ali. Thank you. Uh, good to see you again and uh, best of luck in this amazing podcast. Thank you very much, Iman. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Startups Arabia podcast. If there was something you really liked about what the guests said today, reach out to them on social media and tell them what you liked. And of course, if you haven't subscribed yet, what are you waiting for? You don't want to miss any of our great upcoming episodes. Also, please rate us and give us comments on our social media accounts so that we know how to improve. And also tell us what you like. We don't mind hearing that either. Until next time, this was your host, Ali's Whale.